breaking into a Premier League first team is harder than ever. Every year, thousands of young players enter the youth academies. Every year, maybe a dozen will make their debut for a Premier League club. Only the very best of the best prevail. I'm Faker Others. Welcome to the next big thing. The Mikel Arteta era is underway. Because Arsenal can celebrate for the 14th time. They have won the FA Cup. After the disappointment of Unai Emery's brief reign, Arsenal have gone back to basics, tasking their influential former midfielder with one of the most daunting rebuilding projects in British football. And the initial signs are encouraging. Aubameyang now. Shaka's there, it's 2-0. Arsenal take charge. But while the immediate focus is on the first team, Arsenal's record of developing their youth players is second to none. Get it back in early. Oh, and it's a wonderful goal from the teenager for Kyle Saka. Kaverine! Oh, it's a super goal! Jack Wilshire, Kazola, Giroud, Giroud again, Jack Wilshire! It's stunning from Arsenal! So who's next? Emil Smith-Rowe signed for Arsenal at the age of 10. An attacking midfielder with huge potential, he secured a five-year professional contract in 2018, made his first team debut in the Europa League and won admirers for both his performances and his conduct on loan with Huddersfield last season. So what sort of player is he? He can go both sides, to the left, to the right. He can drive down the centre. Adrian Clark, presenter of The Breakdown on Arsenal TV. The first time I clapped eyes on Emile Smith-Rowe, there was one player that, that immediately came to my mind. And this is, this is a huge compliment to Emile Smith-Rowe, and it's Kevin De Bruyne. He just looks a little bit like him when, he, when, he, when he's on the ball. He's got that dynamism. He's a box-to-box midfielder that's very, very creative and, and able to, to beat his man and drive forward. He whips a good crossing. He's, he's an excellent passer. Well, his preference is to play in the central area of the field on the attacking side. So he can play as a number eight or as a number 10. James McNicholas, Arsenal correspondent for The Athletic. If you speak to anybody about Smith-Rowe, the first thing they'll say to you is what an outstanding trainer he is. You know, despite his reputation for a bit of physical frailty, he is one of the toughest trainers at the club, works incredibly hard, is incredibly self-disciplined, follows tactical instructions to the letter. Um, but it is a natural gift for movement as well. You know, you get a lot of midfield players who are very talented on the ball, but what really impresses people about Smith-Rowe is his willingness to run in behind, his willingness to dart in behind the defence to get into really dangerous areas. And to be honest, that's something that Arsenal have lacked, really, from midfield, especially since they lost Aaron Ramsey. And, of course, you always reach that critical sort of crossroads with a young player where the question is, do you loan them out or do you keep them in-house? Amy Lawrence, Arsenal correspondent for The Athletic. And Emile had a couple of loans which seemed like a very sensible thing to do with a player of that calibre who still had a little bit of development, but also needed a run of games because he has suffered so many kind of repetitive injuries. Um, every time he seems to reappear, he disappears again and is back on the treatment table. And at, at his age, it feels like a, a real stroke of bad luck to not be able to get 
a, a long period where he can work himself into his best form and learn more about his position and what he can bring. He's a, more of a, a sort of box-to-box midfielder than a pure number 10. David Hartrick, Opta analyst for Huddersfield Town. But I think he plays as a 10 at the moment just because he's still learning a little bit about relationships on the pitch and getting the ball left and right and how to play with a striker as a 10, you know, not getting too close, but being close enough to affect the player at any given opportunity. But he's he's a wonderful player and he's just a brilliant prospect. When he first came to Huddersfield, he, he made his debut in a game against Brentford and he had an absolutely wretched first half because he in a very simple sense he just couldn't work out where to stand on the pitch he didn't know whether to drop deep whether to push high he he didn't know whether to to go and try and win the ball then at half time um, Danny Cowley had basically told the rest of the team get the ball to him and he told Smith Rowe to push higher and he has this mad 15 minute cameo after half time where he's just running at people, taking them on, just passing between the lines, couple of little reverse passes, and everybody was like, where has that just come from? I mean, he's got a very good grounding, a very stable family around him. Uh, and, you know, they really have kept his feet on the ground. But I don't think it's been too difficult with Emil. You know, he's not really your typical footballer. I guess that's another way in which he's quite similar to Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey was someone who never really cared enormously for the trappings of Premier League football. And from everything you hear about Smith Rowe, he's exactly the same. You know, people say he's the same kid he was when he was playing in the parks as a seven or eight year old. You know, he just really, really loves his football. He's not focused on the lifestyle remotely. And that's something you hear across the board about him. And as I say, that's reflected in his attitude and his work ethic. And I think consequently people within Arsenal are really, really rooting for this guy. They were certainly impressed at Huddersfield. David Hartrick. When the Cowleys took over at Huddersfield, it was was just in an absolute dire position and they basically sort of stumbled through to January with like half a squad and just desperately needing reinforcements and the biggest single area they needed people was creativity and goals and Smithrow came in and he was a he was a real signing that sort of came slightly out of the blue but made everybody feel a bit fizzy it was like oh hang on and when he came in he just sort of re-energized everybody who played around him it was pragmatic at times last season, but Smithrow was always the he was always the excitement. He was always the one people looked to. And what he did develop in a very short space of time is he, he became a really mature presence up front. So there was there was a really big game, second to last game in the seasons against West Brom, where it was a proper manager's performance. Town had to win. They did win two one and, and Smithrow's role changed from drinks break to half time to drinks break to final whistle. And that's not a bad ball for Smith Rowe. Oh, what a goal! That has upset the apple cart. And how? So he just became an, just an incredibly important member of, of a, the machine the Cowleys were trying to create. But Huddersfield wasn't Smith Rowe's first assignment. One year earlier, he went on loan to Red Bull Leipzig, but it didn't work out so well. 
James McNicholas. The loan is a really fascinating period in Emil Smith-Rowe's career. So that was the previous January. Uh, He joined right at the end of the window. And even him joining the club was a slightly uh, problematic scenario because Red Bull wanted to take him. They liked the player, they liked the talent, but there were concerns over his fitness. He'd been missing training at the time. Uh, and Arsenal were negotiating with Red Bull. I think it was Raoul Sanye, who was then head of football, and Hus Farmy, their contract experts, on the phone. They had to literally go and get the head of performance um, and ask him to come in and explain Emil Smith-Rowe's fitness problems. Because actually the situation at the time was not that he was carrying a specific injury. He was just playing in a lot of pain. And uh, it was to do with the growth of a bone in his hip area. And it was meant that he, every time he trained, every time he played, he experienced a lot of pain. Arsenal's feeling was, there's not an injury here. This should clear up very, very soon. They sent him on loan and it just didn't work out for him at all. I think he made two appearances in his time there with Red Bull. Uh, and although you know they were very positive about the player, about his attitude, about his work ethic, he really didn't make much impression. If you like what you're hearing and fancy reading all about the next big thing and other brilliant football content, then there's no time like the present to get yourself an athletic subscription. Right now, you can get your hands on a £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around. Plus, there's a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all the Athletics podcasts for just a quid. So you won't even hear this. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com forward slash Next big thing. Arsenal have a long tradition of producing their own players. A batch of brilliant young English footballers, led by Tony Adams, were the backbone of George Graham's two-time title winners. Arsene Wenger used the League Cup to give youngsters the chance to force their way into Premier League squads. So how will Mikel Arteta treat youth development? Amy Lawrence. Look, Arsenal just spent uh, not so long ago several millions on upgrading their academy, which tells you that they have a commitment to the academy as a vital heartbeat as part of their whole operation. I don't think they've ever been a club who rely solely on on purchasing ready-made stars. I think they've always been keen, going back years, decades, on making sure there's uh, some kind of umbilical link, you know, with with the club that goes goes back for players to to their boyhood. It doesn't always work. It's hard to get a crop. You're lucky if you get one most of the time. But there, there's a will, there's a there's very much a, a significance felt within the club that they want that to be a big part of their operation. Mikel Arteta is good with young players. We've seen the way that he's trusted. Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Bakayo Saka and others, lots of others have had opportunities. So if he sees in Emil Smith-Rowe the right attitude, then I'm convinced that he will believe in his ability. And I think the the big test for Emil Smith-Rowe under Arteta will be his game intelligence. And that's a factor that has helped Ainsley Maitland-Niles get into the England squad. It's the same with Bakayo Saka, who's one minute is a left wing-back, the next is a central midfielder, the next is an orthodox full-back, the next is a left-sided forward. He's, again, he's, he's a really intelligent footballer. Now, as Emile Smith-Rowe, he's instinctively brilliant. He's got that potential to, to unlock anyone. But has he got 
the football intelligence. Can he listen to a manager's demands, take it on board and go and deliver? If he can, then I think he's going to be a real success under Arteta at Arsenal. But within Arteta's preferred lineup, will Emil Smith-Rowe be able to get the time needed to develop? Is there room for him? James McNicholas. I think at the moment it's a struggle for him because... Well, Mikel Arteta has been lining up principally with a back three, something like a 3-4-3 formation. And in that shape, and this is something Arsenal fans have kind of seen and discussed at length, there isn't really room for a conventional number 10. I mean, one need only ask Meza Ozil about that, but there isn't really a role for a kind of central playmaking figure. In this current system, I think Smith Rowe's most likely space to play is from the right-hand side, the area that Willian is filling at the moment because Willian doesn't really play for Arsenal as a conventional winger. He kind of drifts inside and you know picks up those dangerous positions in between the, the midfield and the back four. And I think Smith Rowe's perfectly capable of doing that. The problem he has is the players he has ahead of him. Willian was a big signing this summer, albeit on a free transfer. Nicola Pepe, a big signing last summer. And so there's enormous competition for places. I think if if Arteta switches the formation, I think it will open up more opportunities for Smith Rowe to play in the positions that suit him best. I think when you look at Arteta, he is not scared of playing the best players, however old they are, wherever they come from. And he's also not scared of ditching other players who might be um, more established and uh, more heavily salaried and with bigger reputations. So he... He really does seem a guy who is incredibly focused on creating the team that he likes with the players that he likes. And if that means Bukayo Saka or Ainsley Maitland-Niles are playing in place of a more experienced player, then that's what's going to happen. And he's proved that already. And I think he will continue to prove that with players who come through if he sees in them the qualities he wants. The one thing I would say that's encouraging for him is Arsenal have drawn a relatively straightforward uh, Europa League group. You know, the teams they face, they've got Rapid Vienna, they've got Molde in Norway, and they've got Dundalk in Ireland. They've got six fixtures to play uh, in that competition in the group stage. And you'd have to think that Smith Rowe would stand a very good chance of, of pushing for inclusion there. So how far can Emile Smith-Rowe go? It's an impossible question to answer. Amy Lawrence. Just recently you're reading about Jack Wilshire's contract with West Ham being torn up and him having to restart. And you look at a player like that and how much his potential has been uh, affected by appalling injuries that have almost been with him since right at the start of his career and are still almost haunting his progress. Emil needs to break away from going down that road. But the key to answering the question of how, you know, where is the ceiling or where are the uh, the ambitions that Emil should be heading for is fitness. Fitness, fitness, fitness. Get time and uh, experience to show exactly the player that he can be. James McNicholas. I think he can go to the very, very top. And I think if you speak to the people who work with him uh, closely, they're inclined to agree. Certainly the people at Huddersfield, Danny Cowley, could not have been more effusive in his praise 
of Smith Rowe. You know, everybody says this is a player with Premier League quality. And he came through an England generation that included the likes of Jaden Sancho, Phil Foden, Callum hudson Adoy, And that meant he wasn't always in the England international youth sides. But if you speak to his coaches through the age groups, they all say he should have been playing more because he is close to these guys in terms of what he can do. Now, we're already seeing what those guys can do at the highest level of European football. We're not seeing that yet from Smith Rowe. But the talent is undoubtedly there. If he gets the breaks, if he stays fit, if he gets the opportunity, I think this is an international quality player potentially waiting to happen. Adrian Clark. The one player I would compare him to at this stage is Serge Gnabry, actually. Not because he's a similar player, but because Serge Gnabry burst onto the scene a little bit like Smith Rowe did. Smith Rowe scored three goals in his first five starts a couple of years ago. And then he got injury problems and he's fallen down the pecking order and maybe lost a bit of confidence. That's pretty much what happened to Serge Gnabry. Arsenal couldn't find a way to to give him enough game time. He decides to leave. And then in his early 20s, Serge Gnabry absolutely flies and becomes a world-class talent. Now, I'm not guaranteeing that Smith Rowe will do that, but I, I certainly think that he has potential to do the same. And I hope on this occasion he sticks with Arsenal, gets the opportunities and at the Emirates Stadium develops into the player that he can be. Because look, he's only 20. By the time he's 23, we could be talking about a full England international. But but really, it's down to him mentally. Has, has he got that desire to push himself to reach those levels or, or is he going to be happy being a professional footballer and, and, and that I think will, will make or break him. David Hartrick. At this point in time I don't really think he has a ceiling and I, I don't mean he's going to become Messi-esque best player in the world. I mean that at the moment you really can't put a cap on what he can do because all his natural gifts are sort of the exact perfect things you want for his role. I think he needs to play football because you only get the sort of you can only level your confidence out and get that that attitude and that grounding through playing games of football. And I'll be honest, I don't know if he's going to get that at Arsenal just because of there are players in his way. I would like to think he could play there eventually and and you know be a key part of that team longer term. But realistically, I would quite like to see him go out on loan again. But I will go out on a limb. As, as I have just slightly sat on the fence there, and I will say I do think he's going to be an England international at some point. He's, he really is that good. Join us next time by listening on the Athletic app or by subscribing to The Next Big Thing on your favourite podcast provider. And if you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, do so now. Thanks for listening. The Next Big Thing was produced for The Athletic by Abby Patterson. The writers were Nick Miller and Ian McIntosh. James McNicholas and Amy Lawrence are the Arsenal correspondents for The Athletic. David Hartrick is the Opta analyst for Huddersfield Town. Adrian Clark is the presenter of The Breakdown on Arsenal TV and a regular guest on the Totally Football League show. The executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Hello listener, it's me Matt Davis-Adams here to tell you why you need to be listening to the Totally Football League show, but apparently I've only got 30 seconds to do so. 
Reason 1. We cover the most football of anyone. That's 72 clubs in total. Reason 2. Our panellists played actual football in the EFL. Whoa. And Reason 3. Our music sounds like George Clooney is organising a heist. Oh, did I mention that we're now a bigger show than ever before, going out twice a week? Now that's more commitment to the EFL than even Sam Parkin gave as a player. How often are the games coming, Sam? Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. That's the Totally Football League show, every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Did I do it?